Okay, this is uh, uh, the school that I've been involved last week. Uh, the you know a few weeks ago, 22 people came as a seminary and in Hong Kong. The next one, oh yeah, uh, this is a little little place. Uh, uh, one of the millionaire Christian built the, Ark, the Noah's Ark replica in Hong Kong. This is a Christian place. It's a very small little island, so it's already a hidden place. So those are coming from China. It's already hidden place. It's quite safe now. And I think this is a last day commissioning. We pray for these people. They had a zeal, passion. Uh, the lecture goes 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. No one ever falls asleep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> seriously, no one ever falls asleep because they want to maximize. I was like, it's way too much, too tired. <laughs> that was better, physical, but emotional, spiritual. You become so humble to see this passion. And then, uh, thankfully, uh, they were so in God. And then, uh, for this week, there were four nations, one in England from this church, one in Korea, one of my church, and then one church in Japan, one church in China. So four churches have been praying for this, and then they hugely donated as well, because we only charge 75 uh, uh, you know, pounds for a whole week accommodation, food, and lecture, everything. So everyone is coming uh, by their own expenses. So it was only 75, so it, it literally can't pay for the accommodations and lecture room. But uh, a friend of mine, uh, she was having quite a lot of difficult you know, uh, financial situations. She is doing business, but nothing has gone really uh, right. But she really felt that God is you know, uh, prompting her to donate. So we booked this place for next next uh, semester in November, which was very good. And this is funny because one thing, when I was looking at these people, they started to pray for Japan. I mean, the, uh, they started to understand mission. And then one thing I really felt is maybe we need to go out to Hong Kong because what they do is they just come here, and then as soon as they finish, they go home. So never been out in Hong Kong. So I know that Hong Kong and China, there is a genuinely, there has been a... Uh, Historical conflicts, always tensions, even before you know British colonization. So what I felt is we need to take these people and we go to Hong Kong Museum next semester, and then we pray for the Hong Kong. We spread out into Hong Kong, and we we plan to pray for you know uh, the the city of Hong Kong in terms of reconciliation between Hong Kong and China. And then what is happening in Hong Kong is a little bit little kind of demonstration of the long history between Cantonese and Hong Kong, uh, the Chinese people, and then I got more confirmation. So they were so overwhelmed by the fact that they knew that the churches and nation, they've been praying for them. And then they said, we're small little people, okay, coming from China, but in a small little island in Hong Kong, even a noticed island as a secret place, but nations have been praying for them. And then that's what they really inspired, they said. So thank you so much for your uh, prayer and support. And hopefully what is happening in Hong Kong is not going to be a blocking or stumbling block for uh, what we are doing now. Because if the political tension is growing bigger, it might be harder for us to go. And then even uh, they, it might be harder for them to come to Hong Kong even. So I will value your prayer. Thank you. Yes, uh, the next. I was given uh, kind of a little bit of request to talk about Southern Kingdom Prophet. Uh, yeah, can I? Can we have the PowerPoint then? Is coming up. 
So this morning I'm going to talk uh, a little bit more about Southern Kingdom and uh, also the prophet. Yes, uh, I think John last week he uh, he shared about the divided kingdom and then he shared the prophets in the Northern Kingdom. So as we know, the kingdom was divided because of Solomon. This is uh, South Judah, and then Israel or Ephraim was refer- you know referring to the Northern Kingdom is Israel or. Samaria, which was the capital, or Ephraim. So when you're reading the prophet books or book of Kings, you might notice this word, Ephraim, Israel, or Samaria, they're all the same. That is referring to the northern kingdom. But southern kingdom is pretty much simple, like, you know, the, the Judah. Uh, how do we know the king was good or bad? This is kind of two different criteria. One thing is here. When the king did, even in the eyes of the Lord, the king walked in the ways of the Jeroboam, the first king of the northern kingdom. So if king any follow the Jeroboam's example, uh, idolatry, that is bad king. Then a good king is different, is, is a way of the David. So any king that did what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his father David had done, but the high places were removed or sometimes were not removed. That is, whenever you read the book of Kings, and then you will notice the description of this king almost as an introduction, whether he was a good king or bad king. If they follow the way of David, he's a good king, but there's another criteria is whether he removed high places or no. Because high places was a place that the nation of Israel, they, they you know, practiced idolatry. And the reason that, uh, reason that the, the, this David, ways of David uh, become a standard for the good king is because David followed the ways. David kept the covenant. Bible is still the book of covenant. Then what kind of covenant is he talking about? It's mainly Deuteronomic or Moses' covenant. Whether they follow God's law or not, there is a big, you know, a differences. The result can be different. So, prophet, when we are reading the book of prophet, oh, there are quite misconceptions I think we have is that we believe majority of the prophet books are messianic, which means talking about the future, you know, the shepherd or David or, you know, the Messiah. That's true. Only less than 2%. Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? Then, what about the prophecies? We believe prophecies on the day of the Lord, the destruction, you know, and then the wicked will be judges. So, end time story, people believe. Yes, that's true. Only 1%. Then, implication is, oh my goodness, 99% of the prophecies has been fulfilled. Do you believe that? Do you understand it? Majority of the prophecies have been fulfilled, but the reason that one person has not yet fulfilled is because of the Jewish people's eschatological idea, because what they see that in Jewish mindset, they're always looking for the final day of the Lord, the Lord's judgment day. And then there will be the end time day, and then all the pagans will be judged by God, and then Israel will be saved. annoying. 
Beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> David last night. What is that? <laughs> because I tried to play this. And whoa, can you please stop that? I don't want it. <laughs> okay. So what do you think is that? <laughs> Pardon? Oh, oh, that's very holy and religious. <laughs> because I think sound is very low, but if you really hear the loud sound, this is... This is uh, the lamentation, the crying of jackal, or like a wolf. So this is Micah chapter 1-8. Uh, Micah is prophesying the, the exile, the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom will be in exile. So when they're taken into exile, they will cry like a wild wolves. And that was, I was teaching once, and what, what do they cry? How do they cry? And then this is kind of what I come across. So, uh, prophet books, if you don't like poets or poetry, and uh, a little bit, you know, unfortunate because at least a third of the Bible is written in poetry. And then I think majority of the prophet books were written in poet. Then what's the point of the poet? It's easy to picture, easy to identify, easy to remember. So, poetry, all these kind of, you know, figures of speech, and these are all outpouring of the emotions. The, the author is wants you know identification or empathy. Does it make sense for what he want to try and say? It's not about the content itself; it's his emotions as well. So the fact that the prophet books were written in poetry means God is pouring out his emotions to the nation of Israel. He wants to he wants people to feel his heart. And prophecy is not about always uh, judgment. Most of the prophet books has majority message is judgment, but restoration as well. So God is outpouring his heart. So instead of I say, uh, many people, whenever I go, you know, teaching, say, oh, you have daughters, and how do that look like? And then I say, oh, yeah, of course, that's cute. They are cute. I can say that. But instead of that, in Korean, rabbit is very cute. Our one of the symbols of cuteness is rabbit. White color, very different from British one. It's not for meat. It's white one, you know, quite good looking ears and beautiful eyes. And then uh, in Korean expression, it's like, oh, that's cute as, you know, uh, this rabbit. I may be something like, just a little tiny little cute, you know, catty, catty. They're so cute. And then you actually, you picture that. And then I'm trying to convey not how, not the content itself, you know, the even feeling the emotions. Does it make sense? Yeah. This is one funny thing is example is it? So I was looking for, okay, how do they cry? And then what about the ostrich? How, why ostrich is kind of figures of speech? And I was looking, searching for, I didn't find anything. One of, all of a sudden I was preparing the office and the South African lady came in. And then I said, oh, by the way, do you know ostrich? Oh, don't talk about the funny anymore. They are so funny. As she said, when they are in fear, when they are in shame, they dig their head in the ground, and they, they think they are gone. And then they're kind of shameful or fearful moment. And then when the nation of Israel, when they're taken into exile, they will wail like animals, and then they will be in shame and fear like ostrich. And then for us, it's a little bit hard to picture it, but Israelites, they knew what it was. And then actually, when they were taken into exile, the last king of Judah, his Zedekiah, his eyes was gozed out, 
and all his children, they were completely killed and murdered in front of his eyes, and he's uh, completely naked and you know, barefoot, and he was taken into exile under scorching heat. That's what he says. That is God, is still, God is mentioning these things to his people. But he says, okay, oh, if you don't follow my law, okay, you will see, and then you will punish them. Okay, just go to the exile. That's a completely different story. That's why prophet books are full of God's heart, full of God's emotions, simply because God wants his people to know his heart. So prophets, uh, uh, the function of prophets are more like his ears for his people, and then he's a mouthpiece to speak God's word, and then uh, he has God's conscience, and then they were moved by God, and then actually they stood up as, as a voice of God to the people. The only reason is because is, is that what they are saying is all the summary of the prophet books is let's go back to the covenant, which means let's keep the law. Let's keep the Deuteronomy law. If they don't keep it, this whole nation will be utterly destroyed. So the, the, the fact that prophet was raised by God is that the nation did not keep the law. Then that's why God raised the prophet and then he speak through the law. And then one of the darkest times, uh, Eliza and Elisha, we don't have such book, those books, but Eliza and Elisha, that was a, one of the darkest times in the entire Jewish history. God was not silent. God did a performing miracle, but he spoke through the prophets, but there was constantly God's voice in it, so that these people can turn from the wickedness, idolatry and majority of them, and injustice. Idolatry and injustice, those are the two major sins of the nation to fall. Whether sins of idolatry, sins of injustice, and then the nation of Israel, they couldn't function as God designed. And then, uh, the prophet's message is either let's go back to God and then let's, you know, just worship God alone against idolatry or let's build a justice against injustice. So you will see injustice and idolatry is most popular and then sin of injustice is as bad as idolatry. Sin of injustice is as bad as idolatry and then that's why the nations are suffering now. And that we don't see the kingdom of God when we don't see the justice. Yes, uh, so prophets were more likely, they are not the person that, you know, uh, prophesying something that is coming in 200 years or whatever, you know, they are not fortune tellers, but they are most likely the people that see the nation through God's perspective. They have God's eyes, and then they interpret the international Dynamics. The reason that this small little nation Israel was surrounded by other nations, and then God uses this international dynamics, international relationship for His people to become priestly kingdom. But when you think about the priest, priest is mediated between you know tribes and God, and priest kingdom means missionary. So the nation of Israel, their calling is to be a missionary nation as a priest kingdom and then minister for other nations so that through Israelites, they can get to know who God is. How, how they can do that? The only thing is by keeping the Deuteronomy covenant. What if the covenant was not kept? They could have functioned. So there's no way. 
So, uh, when we're reading the book of Prophet, all the Prophet books are very corporate messages. It's not about individuals. Of course, there are messages against individuals, mostly religious leaders and political leaders, because religious leaders are supposed to keep this nation to worship God alone, pure worship, and the political, of course, people, they also, they are minister, they are to minister in justice. So, uh, worship and ministry, by establishing the worship and ministry, the nation of Israel, they could be the priestly kingdom. But when something's not happening in that way, God was speaking against it, and then uh, the summary of a book of Deuteronomy is obedience or either curses. When they obey, it will be a blessing. Blessing means protection, provision, safety, security. When they disobey, this God's protection is going to be ripped off. Because God couldn't, because it was their choice, and God cannot uh, work against our free wills. And then all the protection will be gone, and the famine will come, you know, all the natural disaster is coming, and at the same time, they will be in exile. That's exactly what it's, what's listed in the book of uh, Deuteronomy. So, after the book of Deuteronomy, what we can see and read in the book of Kings is, is this list is actually happening, either list of blessings or either list of curses. So all we can see is whether God was responding to be faithful in keeping his promise to God, and what about the nation of Israel? They, have they been really faithful to keep the laws and covenants? If not, God is God of just. Because he's God of just, he promised that he's going to do this and this accordingly, so he has to judge and punish people. So that's why uh, when we read the book of uh, uh, prophets, majority of the prophet books, 8th and 7th and 6th century BC prophet books are mainly messages of curses. The implication is the nation of Israel was not faithful following in obeying God's law. But after that, because of that, they were in exile. They were into exile. People are in exile because of disobedience. And then and they have experienced these curses. And after that, many of the prophet books is a message of restoration. Now I'm going to talk more about it. Because Jeremiah, he prophesied there will be 70 years of exile. And then God is going to bring them back. And that when they're actually in exile, taken into captivity, you know, the horrible situation, but God is inspiring and then promising that the God's love will never end. That's what God promised. I will not leave you alone. Because of that, the message was very much restoration and hope message. Uh, one of the differences between us and Jewish idea is that we think Joshua, Judges, and Samuel, Kings, all these are history books, but Jewish people, they believe this is prophet books. If these are prophet books, there should be a clear message in this. The message is to see whether God is responding accordingly to his covenant and people are responding to covenant. And then that is a true message of this book. I believe these are prophet books. Because prophet is not about, you know, future telling or fortune telling at all. So finally, Southern Kingdom, one dynasty, Northern Kingdom, nine dynasty, and then 
king rises against one another, and then he assassinated conspiracy, and then, you know, but southern kingdom was a different. It's only line of Judah. Nineteen kings, one queen. Luckily, there were a few good kings. Compared to northern kingdom, every king was horrible and wicked and bad. So, but eventually they were destroyed, 586, 587 BC. Explicitly means that they did not function as God's nation and that they were not obedient to God. That's why they were in exile then. So, they have uh, uh, two, uh, two, this morning I'm going to highlight on two. Uh, Prophets. One is in the 8th century BC, uh, uh, during the time of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, uh, he, he's one of the good kings, one of the good, best of the best kings, I think, the second to Josiah. So Hezekiah, he did a reformation. The reformation is religious reformation. And then uh, he stood against Assyria. But this is after the northern kingdom fell, 722. I come back here. 722, you see the, the, the purple, this is Assyrian Empire. You see how the big was the empire, Assyrian Empire. And Northern Kingdom is this here, only tiny little bit here. And Southern Kingdom is here. So compared to the entire Assyrian Kingdom, they were nothing. They couldn't stand against Assyrian Empire. That's impossible in human point of view. And then the Northern Kingdom is already gone. So the lesson must be, wow, the disobedience really brought the destruction of the nations. But human beings, the same. David once on the dinner table says, I don't understand Israelites, how wicked they experience God's you know, judgment. Am I the same? I am sorry, I'm the same. Okay. <laughs> if I were them, I, I would be the same, human nature. So uh, the Assyrian Empire... They completely destroyed the northern kingdom. And then these are the pictures I'm showing you now is from British Museum. And British Museum is one of the best Bible classroom. And then there are so many, you know, Bible uh, ruins and evidences there. And then especially British Museum is very well known for Assyrian. So Assyrians were, like you see this picture, they were war battle, you know, war machines. They were notorious and they were fearful people, and then God used them. So, 701, uh, just before Jerusalem was attacked, uh, the city of Lachish was destroyed. And then this is a picture in the British Museum. And then uh, the Assyrians are like this. And then what, what do you think they do? These are Assyrians, and these are captive. And then they are skimping people alive. And uh, this is a Sennacherib, the king, actual king, in which we can read in the Bible. And then he's holding an arrow. And then these are war battle, you know, uh, the captives. And then they bring these captives before the king. And then king is deciding what to do with these people. If he's uh, holding his arrow up as a lucky guy, he can be only chop his head. If he's put his arrow down, he's unlucky, and they will be skin-peeled. 
So they are all battles taken into exile, and then this is a lion, and then they were so proud, and then they want to say, we are even involved any animal, physical violence. Who is the king of the animal? Is a lion. So royal, the kings, lion, lion hunting was very popular, and then these are all from the royal palace. All the wall panel in his palace room and the administration is full of these evidences. And then also they invented quite a lot of war machine. This is, you know, the goat's liver. And then uh, this is more like a tube because ancient time, the castle was surrounded by water. And then they, this is attack the castles, the enemies. See the top his head, sling stone. So these old thing happened. Northern Kingdom was destroyed. And then Lachish was one of the strongholds, the fortress. It's just before Jerusalem. The fact that Lachish was destroyed, it means there will be nothing surviving after Lachish. And then that's why the Lapsaki came and then surrounded the city of Jerusalem and said, he was talking, he was shouting to the Jewish people in Hebrew language and said, don't be stupid. Look all the other nations. You believe that God can save them, but look around the nations. Which God ever saved his people? And then they surround this uh, Jerusalem about three years. And then King Hezekiah was during this time. He knew this is going to happen because city Lachish was captured and destroyed. And then he built an aqueduct from inside and outside because in the ancient time, it was a matter of time. They cut water food supply, and then nothing can survive. And imagine that your king has Kaya. What would you do? Ancient time, what they used to do is they go for Egypt, and then they ask Egypt to come and help, because if Jerusalem is destroyed, and the next target will be Egypt, and then naturally they will come and fight. So Hezekiah's idea is, I'm going to go to ask Egypt, and then they will come and fight against it. But he asked Isaiah, the famous, you know, uh, the prophet is Isaiah. And then he asked Isaiah. But Isaiah's response was different. Isaiah says, uh, for God said, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Syrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. One night, the angel of the Lord, he moved out to the camp, Israel, and then he struck 185 Assyrians. Assyrians are very great keeping the record. Because of Assyrians, now most of the scholars, they agree that the Bible is a true story. Before Assyrians, because there was no ruin ever found, Scholars believe that the Bible is all made-up story. Where is Assyria? We don't find the history of Assyria. And all of a sudden, early 19th, 20th century, a British guy, he, he started to dug these things out, and then this all in British music. And then that's the moment we started to believe that the something recorded in a pagan history is actually, actually happened. The Bible is a true story. But Assyrians, they don't keep record because they never keep the record of their failure, only the victory. The Bible said all of a sudden he had to retreat and then in his temple he was assassinated by his one son. But we know that it was God. 
Can God do these things overnight? 185, the killing machines? Yes. Isaiah, the name Isaiah means God, Jehovah is salvation. So Isaiah, he lift out his name that his main message is not about only uh, the message about the Judah because the northern kingdom is gone, but his prophecies for the prophecy for entire nations, all the surrounding nations as well, including Assyria. So Assyria was completely destroyed later on. And then Isaiah is someone we believe that is the one that is written in the book of Hebrews. And then one of the examples of the man of faith, he was sown in two. Do you remember that? It must be Isaiah by the king, Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, who was one of the wicked kings. 52 years he reigned. He reverted everything that his father Hezekiah did. Reformation, returning to God, has ever reverted to the pagan, pagan idolatry. And that's, that's the main reason of the nation of Israel started to fall, and then God said that there will be no, no more. And then Isaiah is a such a person. He stood, and then he prophesied. Uh, I said that there are only kind of two persons, the messianic pro- prediction, uh, talking about the future Messiah to come. But it's a funny thing. Oh, oh, this is a picture of uh, angel of the Lord, you know, the killing 185 overnight. Isaiah and I, Micah lived in the same time. But Isaiah is, uh, the, the Jewish tradition said that he is a royal blood. But Micah is a normal, you know, just you and I, common person, which means common person used to prophesy or publicly speaking at the gate. So during the same time, Micah standing at the gate and then talking and to his people that this nation will be exiled if we don't follow God. And then one royal family is approaching, you know, to kingdom, you know, and palace and talking to the bureaucracies. If so, God is, you know, talking a diverse people group. The desire must be God want his entire nation to come back. Northern kingdom is gone. What can they learn from the, you know, destruction of the northern kingdom? God has been so persistent. God has been persistent. There are so many other prophets when we are reading the book of prophets. Even though we have only a few prophet books, but there are more other prophet books. Prophets. So, as I said, Manasseh, he was a most wicked. And then, because of his sin, the nation of Israel, they could never turn back to God. And then, they were to be in exile. So, after that, uh, this is one thing I'm, very, I'm feeling this is very interesting, because this is Ur, Ur, somewhere like Ur, do you remember the place? The Cardiana, where the Abraham's birthplace. And then this is Babylon's old same area. And then God took Abraham's father and then promised promise land here. But because of the sins, they were taken into exile, saying back to pagan idol. But God promised he's going to bring these people back to Jerusalem in 70 years. In short, 
after 70 years, the nation of Israel, they never did idolatry. That was a cost, that was very, very expensive lesson, actually, after exile. But during this time, uh, another famous prophet is Jeremiah. He's one of the prophets that ministered the longest time toward the end of uh, the nation of Israel. So he eyewitnessed the destruction event, but his nickname was Wailing Prophet or False Prophet. And during this time, one of the best kings is King Josiah, who was a king who became a king at the age of eight. But I don't believe it was his one job. I think it was a high priest to really help this reformation. Otherwise, there would be no other explanation. Think about Isaiah. Isaiah was, Isaiah was a relative locate. Hezekiah listened to it, and then they experienced God. And then, because of this, they had a little bit of misconception that God is going to keep this city, the city of Zion, you read it, or city of Jerusalem, will be safe forever, they believe. I think one of the big reasons is God's intervention during the time of Hezekiah and Isaiah's prophecy. And after that, people used to believe, wow, we're living in the city of Zion. It's God's city. But constantly the foreign invasions you know, used to come. And then book of Habakkuk said, where are you, God? Why are we suffering so much? That's Habakkuk's cry. But Jeremiah's main message is just surrender to Babylonian Empire because Assyrian Empire was destroyed by Babylonian Empire. And then Jerusalem said, just give it up. Go into exile. And if you were Jew, I, would you be happy or no? No. So he was put into jail, he was beaten, and then he said that you are a liar because there are so many other prophets during the time of Jeremiah. They all said, don't worry, there will be peace, okay? God will save us. God saved us already, and then we'll be safe. That is true. That's what God promised, on condition that this nation is turning back to God. But the nation didn't turn back to God. So Isaiah's message is the old covenant is broken, the Moses covenant. So old covenant is not necessary. There will be new covenant. So he is the first prophet, prophet that talk about new covenant, Jesus Christ. So it's good to surrender. Otherwise, you will suffer more. And then on the day of the destruction of Jerusalem, he was put into jail because he was accused as a false prophet. And then he eyewitnessed all his people were completely destroyed by a Babylonian empire. And it was a time of miserable moment. And he was abandoned by his people. And then imagine his life. He lived a life as a prophet, not just speaking, but many prophetic voices, prophetic actions and dramas he had to live to be a living example of what God is speaking to them. So uh, during this time, I think, uh, oh yeah, I think we have this English song as well. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every 
thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. He eyewitnessed the destruction. In the midst of this destruction, he wrote this lamentation. Lamentation is a sad story. It's a crying out, wailing you know, song. But out of this disaster, he knew that God is still faithful. But his message is surrender to God. But Isaiah's message is don't worry, don't surrender. God is going to come and help. Then is God different? It's the same God. Isaiah's time is because the nation turned back to God. If only the nation and people are turning back to God, God promised that he's going to intervene. That is true. Jeremiah's time, nation is completely turning away from God. If that is happening, there is no way that God can intervene. Then, rather surrender and be in exile. God is not a God of Isaiah alone. God is God of Jeremiah as well. What kind of God do I need now? Is God a God of Isaiah, the Jehovah is the salvation? Or is God, God is God of Jeremiah, that God is drawing our attention? God is saying God. Is Isaiah speaking to me or is Jeremiah speaking to me? The result is different, but the thing is the same. Isaiah and Jeremiah, their same message is, let's return to God. Let's be in line with God, individually and corporately, as a nation as well, as a nation, as nations. Let's go back to God. And then steadfast love of the Lord will never cease. And then his mercy, his mercy is never come to an end. So shall we pray? Yeah, God, I know that uh, we have this uh, story in our hands, the Bible story. is teaching us, God, inspiring us to see who you are and then how the nation of Israel will respond to you, God. So we turn to you, God, no matter where we are at, God. We trust that you are faithful, you are everlasting and loving God for us. So help us understand your heart continuously, God. And help us humble before you and then return to you. So we honor you, we trust you. We trust you that you are the God of the nations. You are controlling. You are, in, you are controlling and the, every nation is in order because of your goodness. So we trust that every nation is going to see you one day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh.